You're welcome. It's seven minutes after nine o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us. We are going to talk about Israel and uh, the attack. They say one of the first casualties of war is truth. But if it is to believe, uh, if it is to be believed what I am hearing, uh, and I suspect it is, these Islamists are in fact, as described by many on the right, just animals. Ugly, flippin' animals. They, uh, they have done just some... If, if, if even half of this is true, they're the lowest form of human being on the planet. And I hope that Israel ignores the West because what's as i told you yesterday what what's going to happen is israel is going to go into uh, to gaza uh, and they're going to start annihilating people as well they should to crush this and the west is going to start screaming no 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 you're overreacting you're doing too much oh no back off i hope they ignore them here is a report from Israel, and Brian and I were chatting before the show about the rape and, and, and uh, disfiguring uh, the corpses and things like that. But this, this is even worse. As horrible as that is, listen to this report hard to even explain exactly just the mass casualties that happened right here. In fact, the Israeli military says they still don't have a clear number, but I'm talking to some of the soldiers and they say what they've witnessed as they've been walking through these different houses, these different communities, uh, babies, their heads cut off. That's what they said. Gunned down, families completely gunned down in their beds. You can see some of these soldiers right now comforting each other. Many of them reserves uh, who jumped into action, leaving their own families behind as well. Decapitating babies? Really? There is no lower form of human being than, than what we're witnessing in Israel. And I've, I've been trying to figure out what the motive is for this. Because they know they, they can't win. If Israel presses, Israel will win. If they persevere, they will eviscerate these, these, uh, these animals. So why do this? Well, one, they don't care about their own people. And two, the aforementioned plea from the right, from the uh, West, to, to back off. Stop. You're overreacting. You're killing too many innocent people. So that they can make Israel look bad, they have set this up so that Israel goes, you know what, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. We're going for broke. And the international community will say, no, you've overreacted. And they'll paint the Israelis, they'll paint the Jews as the bad guys. I promise you that's what their goal is. And if they succeed, they can perhaps stop any peace agreement uh, between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And several of those other Arab countries that have aligned with Israel, that have decided, and not necessarily even aligned with Israel, but, but have established diplomatic ties and, and trade. 
Iran is desperate. And they're hoping against hope that they can derail that. And to accomplish that, they have to make Israel look like the bad guys. And in order to accomplish that, they have to sacrifice their own people so that Israel finally says that's enough and goes after them. And then they'll paint them as the bad guys. Over at Citizen Free Press, uh, they've got a uh, an interview they did with the late Joan Rivers several years ago. And I'm going to play this, at least part of it. Uh, there is a, a they, she does use the name of God in vain here, so bear with us. Uh, but her response back then was dead nuts on. So I'm trying to get celebrity reactions to what's going on with the Palestinians and Israelis right now. Let me just tell you, if New Jersey were firing rockets into New York, we would wipe them out. I am so bored. We heard they were digging tunnels from New Jersey to New York. We would get rid of Jersey. So I don't want to hear anymore. Oh, we'll do a partial truce. The Palestinians, you cannot throw rockets and expect people not to defend themselves. What about the civilian casualty rate? Civilian, then don't put your goddamn things in private homes. I'm sorry. Don't don't you dare put weapon stashes in, in, in private homes and then we say get out. Of, of course, we're going to do it. The response normally is where the, where are the civilians supposed to go? I don't care. They- I mean, she nailed it. She nailed it. This is not, by the way, uh, me suggesting that the United States be involved in this. As you know from yesterday's conversation, I don't think it's our fight. I don't mind selling them arms and ammunition. I don't mind Americans going over there to fight with them. I don't mind uh, Americans uh, getting involved on a personal level, sending money. It's fine. I'm tempted to send money there myself. But again, I don't think the United States militarily should be involved in this. But there are more lessons to learn from this. And I talked about this yesterday. uh, In order to carry a gun in Israel, and and I'm going to give you a couple examples. There are a couple of stories that uh, illustrate what what gun control did in Israel. At least 100 killed on kibbutz, uh, according to... Just 100 people removed from kibbutz. Uh, According to Hebrew media, uh, the number of victims killed in the devastating kibbutz home uh, to some of the thousand residents is thought to be even higher, according to the reports. A kibbutz is, as I understand it, kind of a commune. And apparently there are a lot of them uh, in Israel where they sort of all work together and it's, it's a commune. And these people got wiped out. And they got wiped out because they didn't have any guns. Now, here's another story. Defenders of kibbutz say they killed two terrorists Saturday, preventing a takeover. A failed attempt by terrorists on Saturday to enter uh, Niram, a kibbutz situated about 500 yards from the border uh, with Gaza, ended with the death of two perpetrators. They appear to have tried to penetrate a large chicken farm next to uh, Niram, possibly mistaking its fence for a kibbutz fence. And they shot and killed them, and nobody there died. That was the advantage of having guns at the second kibbutz. Now, uh, I pointed this out yesterday, that having guns in Israel is no easy feat. 
you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get a gun. Everybody thinks that in Israel, everybody is armed. They are not. Few people are. It, you, you have to get a license from the state in order to get a gun. You can only buy one gun at a time. You have to ask permission to sell your gun. And the firearms licensing department, by the way, is not just a, a rubber stamp group where they go, yep, you can have it. Uh, 40% of the requests are rejected, just, just under half. And before you can even ask for a license, you have to get a minimum age requirement, you have to be in good health, you have to be a sound mind, have no criminal record, uh, and that's not enough. Because once you get the permission to, to carry the gun, you're limited to just 50 bullets in their possession at any one time. And you got to shoot or return old bullets before they can buy, in, uh, you know, buy new ones. And that could only take place, apparently, at some highly regulated shooting ranges where every bullet's sale is carefully registered. The types of guns also depend on this, uh, the reason for the gun. Uh, if you're a veterinarian uh, and you want to buy a gun and get approved by the government, it has to be one that's designed to kill animals. A hunter's license only permits you to buy a firearm from approved list uh, that the state offers up. So it's really difficult to get a gun. But we see what happened when you had access to a gun. The people in the kibbutz where they were armed lived. But wait, there's more. Because now, apparently, Israel has decided that perhaps they need to change their laws on guns. And they're, they're loosening their restrictions so that people can be armed. The tiny democracy in the Middle East with terrorists along all its borders has more stringent gun control laws than anywhere in the United States. Unlike our Second Amendment, there is no recognition of the right to keep and bear arms. The Israeli Minister of National, uh, of National Security uh, has an emergency declaration that will allow as many citizens as possible to arm themselves. What now? How does this how does this relate to us? Well, if if we do end up engaging in Israel, and I have no doubt that we will, they have threatened the United States. So you're in danger. I don't care if you're in Jefferson City, Springfield, Podunk, Kentucky, wherever you're at. You don't know where the radical Islamists are. Uh, is it likely that this will happen? No, but is it possible? Absolutely. Go take a test. Make sure that you know how to shoot. Learn the, the laws of, of uh, firearm uh, concealed carry. Even if you don't get the permit, take the class and conceal carry. Because we don't ever want to go through what they went through. We don't ever want to find ourselves with our pants down. And that's what's happened in Israel. And they just woke up. They've got this emergency gun policy. Go out and, you know, arm yourself. These people are crazy. All right, that ties it all together. 874-9390.
The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Shortest break of the hour. We're going to take it and come back. We'll grab your phone calls. You can also send me a message by going to GaryNolan.com. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 23 minutes after the hour, and if you just turned the radio on, you're late, and you uh, missed the opening monologue about Israel and what they should do. Uh, how the West is going to eventually say, oh, slow down, stop, you're overreacting, you're killing innocent people. And they shouldn't slow down or stop. They should continue their their uh, fight against Hamas and Hezbollah, and they should just do the best they can to wipe them out. I also explain the motive, which is, I think, to, disrail, to derail any more uh, peace talks between Saudi Arabia and Israel, they want to paint Israel as evil and ugly because they're killing innocent people. That's, that's the goal. Because they know they can't win. There is no chance in hell they're going to win, and they don't care. Because they don't care about their people, and they are animals. Raping and killing women and children, beheading infants, if that's true, that is just the lowest form of animal. 874-9390-800-529-5572 or GaryNolan.com. To the phones we go. Chuck, good morning. Good morning. I know this isn't Frost or Buns Friday, but I've got to comment. Uh, I'm not saying I don't support really funding anybody else's war. I don't really believe half the ones we were in were worth even being involved in. But if I had to choose an ally to support, it would be Israel over Ukraine any day. And what really has been irritating me is all these bleeding heart liberals that are double-minded in everything they do, uh, you know, act like this is no big deal, these women being hauled off and thrown in the back of vehicles. You know they're going to go get raped and murdered and who knows what. But uh, I guess Hamas should have actually, if they wanted to get the liberals to join up with the right, they should have just went through the street and protested against, um, you know, the right pronouns and whatnot. It's just irritating to me that we can't call evil evil in this society anymore. And well, in Canada, people- in Canada, the CBC, the, the government broadcast, they are telling their news anchors to not refer to these uh, terrorists as terrorists. Otherwise, they lose their job. That's how stupid we are in the West. And they're not even, and I'm going to say it, I don't care who it makes mad, but these people are not a part of humanity. Hamas are evil beings, entities, maybe in just with, you know, clothed in our our cloak of... uh, Human skin, but they are evil. I mean, they are. In, they are. They are indeed. Chuck, I got to run. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Paul, good morning. Hey, good morning, Gary. Yeah, you're talking about actions that Israel needs to take as far as loosening up uh, the allowing their citizens to be armed. I think, uh, like you said, the the risk of this overflowing to the U.S. depending on. The actions we take, I think something we need to do is we need to get like these shopping malls to uh, to take these no guns allowed stickers off the door. 
because th- those are the places they're going to target. Yeah, I could just I just shudder to think you know Christmas time malls full of, of shoppers and um, you, you know if, if they I mean they're they're easy targets they're soft targets absolutely and, uh, and, and we got the yeah and we got this policy where oh no you can't bring your gun in here well I mean it's setting us up for a um, um, for for major for major catastrophe if that policy doesn't change in more of those places. Those places, any place that that admonishes you not to carry a gun becomes a soft target. And you yeah. can bet your bottom dollar they're going to attack. Um, yeah. So don't go to those places. Uh, or if you're yeah. a concealed carry permit holder and they find out you're carrying, leave. Don't put up a struggle. Uh, because your life depends on it. All right, Paul, thank you. Good point. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Steve, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm good. I can't understand how a country that is surrounded by all these other countries that want them wiped off the face of the earth, pass gun control laws and ammunition rules like Israel did. That'd be like if all the states all around Missouri one of Missouri gone, and we say, well, you can't own a gun. What is their thinking? Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's, we, it's ingrained in those Muslims over there to hate Israel, to hate the Jews. And then you say, well, uh, you can't arm yourself when these people are going to come across the border at any time. Yeah, well, suddenly they're whistling a, a different tune. Now you're not limited to 50 rounds. Woo, you get 100. Uh, and, and they've, yeah. That, well, when the when the thundering herds come toward you, you'll want more than a hundred rounds. Yes, but at least there. I, I have many many ammo cans full of ammunition. There you for go. All my different guns. All right, many. Steve. Steve, Thanks thank you. Man. Glad to have you in the Gary Nolan Show. Kenny, got enough time to get one more call in, and you're it. All right. Uh, just something quick to think about. Uh, if, if we follow our Bible, it tells us that we've still got some major conflicts coming in Israel. Ezekiel 38-39, Psalm 83. Uh, there's a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 17 that mentions that Damascus will be leveled. It will no longer be a city. Now, Israel will be eventually, as the Bible promises, it's going to be about 10 times maybe 20 times the size it is now. It's going to be restored to its original biblical size. Uh, they're going to encompass Jordan, big right. chunk okay, of Saudi so, Arabia. So you don't disagree, though, with what I'm saying, that Israel, how Israel should respond? Oh, absolutely not. They should go all out as far as they can. And, and our Bible even tells us, that, tells us that they will be helped by God himself. Islam will be wiped out, according to the Bible. Balls to the wall, as they say. All right, exactly. Kenny, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. I absolutely agree. Uh, all right, we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski will be with us about an hour from now. But before that, uh, I want to talk about that jobs report. Because there's some very interesting information in that report. President Biden was taking a victory lap. And the more I look at it, the worse it looks. I'll give you the details on that in the next segment of the program. Also, an airline that, well, other airlines hate. Details coming up. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 
It is 9.35. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. We're going to talk a little bit about the economy, a little bit more about Israel. Uh, we're going to do all that with uh, Senator Bill Eigel, whose appearance in this program has nothing to do with any campaign. It is simply because he is a senator here in the state of Missouri, and I'm curious to get his input. Senator, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, good morning, Gary. That's a heck of a disclaimer. So we'll uh, we'll make sure we only talk about what we're allowed to talk about. How does that sound? Well, that's <laughs> well, we're going to. Um, you know, I was uh, I was pointing out that Israel has these really strict gun control laws, and uh, now it turns out that after several uh, so many innocent people were defenseless, they're loosening their rules uh, in hopes of arming people. They don't have a Second Amendment. They don't have a SEPA. Uh, like we do here in the United States, and particularly here in Missouri, uh, and I and and I pointed out that you know people streaming across the border, we don't know who they are, and and in many cases they are terrorists. Uh, a listener sent me a story from uh, 2018, uh, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, it's out of actually Buffalo, Missouri, about a woman sentenced to federal court uh, who was uh, supporting uh, radical Islamist terrorists uh, and ISIS. Um, my advice, and I, you know, I don't care if you're in Springfield listening to me now, or or Jeff City, or wherever, arm up. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, every citizen should take uh, their personal security seriously. The Second Amendment that we have. Uh, articulates the right that we are actually granted from God in order to be able to protect ourselves through the ownership of firearms. And what's happening in Israel, uh, which is horrific, is a reminder and a cautionary tale that restricting access to the means to protect oneself from law-abiding citizens is always a bad idea. And yes, as you mentioned, they're, re- they're suddenly and quickly loosening uh, those restrictive gun control laws because it's common sense to do so. So uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, there may have been a lot of folks that could have defended themselves had these rules and and laws not been in place in Israel. But uh, that doesn't take away from uh, the sheer evil that has has taken hold uh, in that country through Hamas. Uh, to be wanting to be to have uh, evil fighters that are willing to murder innocent women and children. So, uh, yeah, it is a cautionary tale. And, and fortunately, here in the great state of Missouri, we have uh, and enacted the Second Amendment Preservation Act, which prevents the federal government from coming in and starting gun grabbing. But we've got problems uh, across our state still. Uh, look at St. Louis City. You know, Tashara Jones, the mayor there, is gun grabbing uh, every day. She is uh, coming out with new policies. And as that, as that city descends into chaos, uh, we have a government in city in the city of St. Louis that is just going after law-abiding citizens. So uh, there are places that even here in Missouri, bright red Missouri, that we could do a lot better. I agree. I was looking at the jobs report that uh, President Biden was, uh, you know, taking a lap over, and uh, I realized that it, it's it's really a lousy jobs report, Senator. Uh, leisure and hospitality, ninety-six thousand jobs. Those aren't high-paying jobs. Those aren't great jobs. Um, then uh, you got uh, 61,000 uh, jobs over the prior uh, 12 months. So suddenly people are desperately taking these jobs. Government employment rose by 73,000 jobs. Every yeah. time the federal government hires somebody, uh, we increase our uh, inflation because they, have to, they don't have the money for it. They've got to print it or borrow it. Yeah. Uh, State government education, another uh, nearly 30,000. There are very few really good jobs in this report. 
Yeah, <clears throat> if you have if you have government growing, that's not really growing your economy. Uh, we got to keep in mind, Gary. Government doesn't produce anything. Government doesn't make anything. Government doesn't, uh, you know, create a stronger GDP. Government is just uh, the recycling of wealth uh, that is taken from the private citizen to enforce uh, rules and regulations that usually do more harm to the private citizen than they do help. So, you know, the creation of government jobs means that the overhead for being a Missouri and an American citizen is just going to be higher and higher. That's not getting us anywhere. Anybody that points to a report uh, that is primarily driven by the growth of government itself is really, really missing the boat here, I think. So uh, we and unfortunately, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's been Joe Biden or Republicans as well in in Washington, D.C., have been growing government to a size that we've never seen before. And Gary, we have this problem in the state of Missouri. We have a 55,000-person state workforce uh, down in Jefferson City when other states of similar size, I'll give you an example, the state of Indiana, have half the number of people working in their state government, even though the population is about the same size. So uh, I would be much more excited if the jobs <clears throat> that our economy was creating were the kind of high-paying jobs that were going in the private sector that all of us are really looking for, not just an expansion of government. The uh, the income tax, both at the federal level and the state level, I think is devastating to the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we have uh, an income tax here in the state of Missouri. Uh, I know that it's it's been shaved a little bit, kind of nicked at the edges, mm-hmm. uh, but spending continues to increase. Right. Uh, you know, as a senator, uh, I, I know you fought vigorously to get rid of the personal property tax. Attaboy. boy, <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> But what about the state's income tax? Is that a problem for you? Yeah, it's a big problem. In fact, <clears throat> the uh, the state income tax is the second target on my list after we get rid of personal property tax. Uh, if you want to know the difference, and Gary, I know I'm preaching to the choir here uh, because you've talked about this at length, but if you want to be growing like Texas and Tennessee and Florida, then we have to start implementing their policies. And the biggest difference between us and those states is they don't charge people tax for the production and the sweat off the back of the labor. Uh, and so that's the income tax. So we've got to get away from that. And if we do, we're going to be able to start growing like those states are because folks are going to be encouraged to want to bring their innovation and their investment capital to the state of Missouri. But right now we're stagnating. In fact, uh, you're right. In, in fact, let me put this into perspective for you, because, you know, if Mike Parson were on this radio interview, he would probably claim, well, you know, we've cut the income tax. We shaved down the rate. We've gone from 5.4 percent down to, you know, uh, wherever percent. And that's true. That's good. But let me put it in perspective for you. The value of all the income tax cuts that we've done in the past seven years of having Republican governors in this state have amounted to three or four hundred million dollars annually. But the value of the spending increases over that same period of time have been to the tune of more than twenty five billion. So so the idea that we've done even close to what we could and should do on cutting the income tax is outrageously false. The, the reality is that way too many individuals wearing the Republican label down in Jefferson City keep talking about cutting taxes and how hard we're working cutting taxes, when really they're just working hard to spend more of the taxpayer dollar. And because of that, we're not getting rid of personal property tax. We're not getting rid of the income tax. And the state of Missouri is stagnating. I just think we ought to do a lot better. As a senator um, in this last term, tell me the two biggest disappointments that you experienced. Uh, the biggest disappointment is the growth of government that I've, I've, I have fought against uh, in Jefferson City. When I came in, you know, there's only two objective ways you can measure the size and scope of government. One, the number of tax dollars that the government spends on your behalf. And then two, 
the number of lines of code that a private citizen must comply with in order to stay out of jail. And by both of those measures, we've seen a dramatic increase in the size of scope of government over the past seven years. Look at the number of tax dollars that we we are spending. When I came in as a freshman, uh, freshman senator in 2017, the state budget uh, was $27 billion. This year, the state budget is $51 billion. And, and I'm the only senator that votes no on every single one of those budget bills because of all that spending. I'm the only one. So uh, look at the number of lines of code. I can tell you, we haven't gotten rid of any lines of code since I've been in there, but we have added so many new regulations. We've increased fees. We've increased the gas tax. We have placed such a burden on the people of this state that I feel like that the elected Republican majorities in, in Jefferson City are not being honest with the Republicans statewide about what it is they're intending to do and what it is they're, they are actually doing once campaign season gets end and they get into office and start governing effectively as Democrats. It's very frustrating. That's why I think we're just at a point in the state where, you know, Republicans are furious and they're looking for a change. I agree. Last question. Uh, you know, the, the, the education system in this country is terrible. Government education is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, as a senator, did you, did you find any, any bills that you liked that didn't get passed that dealt with education? Uh, sure. There were uh, a number of bills that dealt with education choice, uh, whether it's an expansion of uh, charter schools, ESAs, even voucher programs. Uh, that were talked about but were set aside uh, that could have empowered parents in this state but did not. There are also, there's also, it, it wasn't a bill, or, or I guess it could be a bill, the how the, uh, uh, the DESE education bill. You know, the big problem, in addition to not having choice for parents, is that we have one of the worst bureaucracies in Jefferson City. That's the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. We're spending hundreds of millions of dollars funding a department whose original mission was just to send money to the local school districts. So uh, I, I know we're not getting into campaign talk here, but I would have liked to see Governor Mike Parson do something, anything to break up the bureaucracy of DESE that uh, was going around stifling uh, local school districts from being able to teach kids more about math and less about DEI and CRT. He didn't do that, and I think that that's going to be one of the conversations that the people of this state are going to be having intensely in 2024. Senator, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. Always uh, glad to chat with you. Thanks, Gary. Have a great morning. All right, you too. Take care. Senator Bill Eigel. All right, uh, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Or go to GaryNolan.com. You can send me a message there. It is the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 951. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski, she'll be with us. About uh, 10.35, and she's going to talk a little bit about Israel, but she's got a whole bunch of other topics that are on her mind as well, uh, including uh, the special counsel interviewing Biden about the classified documents. Hey, hold your breath if you think he's going to get prosecuted the way they're going after Donald Trump, and you'll probably turn blue and pass out. Um, I got another uh, message here that I thought was uh, interesting. It's from Anson. He says, dehumanizing an entire group of people during war is the goal of propaganda. I believe I suggested that at the very beginning of the program. I said the first casualty of war is truth. Uh, He goes on to say, I remember the desire to refer to Iraqis as animals in the early 2000s. Uh, and that's true. They they made up stories about babies thrown out of incubators and stuff like that because they're trying to get the United States to get involved in this uh, Kuwait uh, Iraq war. He
He goes on to say, resist the urge to legitimize our involvement in this foreign conflict. A dispute between Israel uh, and Gaza is uh, in no way uh, related to American national security. I believe I did make that point. And since so point for point, I'm I'm uh, I'm with you here and uh, and already explained all this. He goes on to suggest that uh, Gaza is captive. Uh, and that uh, Israel has had Gaza under embargo since 2007. However, justified embargoes are an act of war. Even if all that's true, um, and I and I have some serious, uh, I, I think you have to have some things qualified here that you don't. What they're doing is attacking civilians, not the military. That makes them animals. Um, and I don't doubt that they are taking young women uh, and, and, and others and, and murdering them and raping them and all those other things. I just, uh, there just is no excuse. This is, this is how animals, I, I don't even think in the animal kingdom, they treat each other like that. All right, uh, 53 minutes after 9 o'clock, and I wanted to continue talking about the economy for a few more minutes. Uh, there is a story at Market Watch talking about the state of the economy. You'll remember that, th- that the administration was trying to tell us that the uh, Bidenomics is working. And uh, we keep saying on this end, no, 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 it's, it's not working. Well, Deutsche Bank is suggesting that we are headed... For stagflation, uh, other other uh, major of, of institutions, financial institutions, are suggesting that as well. The risk that inflation expectations could become unanchored in a fashion similar to the 1970s stagflation era. Oil prices uh, settled uh, more than 4% higher on Monday as traders weighed the impact of the war. Inflation remains above central banks' targets in every G7 country. United States, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom. We're headed for stagflation. We are out of control. I just told you in the jobs report how many new government jobs we created. And Senator Eigel made a valid point when he... Uh, was on the program a few minutes ago suggesting that the government doesn't produce anything. If you make a product or you provide a service, then you're generating income. You're generating wealth. That's a good thing. The government does neither of those. The government doesn't produce anything. It just takes your money, redistributes it, and spends more of it than they can honestly take from you. So they go into debt. And that's how you end up with inflation. We, their target of 2% is ridiculous. The 2% uh, inflation rate that the Fed is willing to uh, accept shouldn't be. If we had an honest economy and a government operating within the parameters that the founding fathers gave us, you wouldn't see prices going up at the rate of 2%. Remember, only the government can produce inflation. Only the government. So if you've got 2%, they're the ones 
that are creating the inflation at two prices should actually go down on an annual basis. If the government isn't spending too much, isn't uh, borrowing too much, isn't printing too much, prices go down every year. That's not what we're seeing. The acceptable rate of 2% increase should not be. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Chris, good morning. I was listening to you talking on the Middle East, and I love the people who just, I don't know, somehow believe that the poor Palestinians have just got it really bad. Uh, I feel like they have it bad because of their own decisions. Uh, Does no one remember when they did the partition in 48 that they gave the Palestinians a lot more land than they gave Israel? Well, Brian remembers it. it. Yeah, yeah, where you go. I know you weren't around. Uh, No. (laughs) But it was in, I can't remember, Syria, Egypt, whatever. They gave them all that area, and they all moved in. And then they all started doing just what they do. Now they started uprising and talking about we're going to do this. Maybe we're going to, you know, whatever, you know, have a revolution or whatever. And the Arab countries, you know, literally at the point of a gun, killed a bunch of them. They have some holiday that's Black Friday or something over there. Pushed them all into the West Bank. Okay. Why is there never a discussion of the Palestinians want their land back that was taken away from them by these other countries? See, it's all we want is we want Jerusalem and we want where the Jews live. That's all they want. But they got a lot more land they could have. And if you've been talking economy, that's their biggest problem. The leadership does not want them to have an economy. They don't want them to have jobs. They want them unhappy. They want them to stay as some sort of refugees forever. And they've had money poured into that country to buy them equipment. I remember when Israel gave up ground, somebody gave money to buy all these greenhouses up and give it to the Palestinians. They went in and trashed them, tore them up, and yep, can't use them. You know, it's it's almost like a mafia scam, the way they're being run by their, their uh, Hamas or whoever. They do not want them to be successful. They don't want them to have anything because as long as we're refugees, we're a bunch of pawns in this game. And I'd love to see somebody, you know, Alien Omar or somebody go, hey, we want our land back over there. It was given to them. But nope, we, we, don't wanna, we don't want that because, well, that's their Arab buddies and it's all big game, I guess. I, I can't figure it out. But I'm like you. They're just a bunch of bloodthirsty dudes. It's been going on since the days of the Barbary Pirates, and it's never changed. And it's all about their religion. They, they're, you know, they know well, a, lot of, a lot of what's going on actually is the result of Great Britain going in and carving up the Middle East. Literally, they set it up so they would fight each other so that they didn't have to fight them. That's part of the problem, too. Chris, thank you for the call. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.